suburban community like Montclair, you may already be familiar with the term community garden. A piece of land garden or cultivated by a group of people and provides space for neighbors to grow various plants and fresh, healthy food close to home. But have you ever heard of a community farm? The idea of a community farm is not new, but it's certainly unique. Luckily for us, Montclair has its very own community farm and also has experts behind the concept of community gardens and farming, the environment, and agriculture as a whole. On this week's episode, I sat down with Lana Mustafa, director of the Montclair Community Farms and Maya Mitchell, who serves as Montclair Community Farms' education director. Together, we discuss the history of the Montclair Community Farms, what being an urban farm is all about, especially in the Garden State, and the incredible programs that the Montclair Community Farm has to offer. Welcome, guys. Welcome, Lana. Welcome, Maya. Um, how are you doing? Doing great. Happy to be here, Anna. It's exciting. Yeah, I'm doing well today, too. Thanks for having us, Anna. So no, thank you for taking time out of your day to do this. So the first thing I want to ask you both is, who are you guys and what do you do in Montclair? And then what is one thing that you love about Montclair? Hmm. Uh, I guess I'll go. Uh, my name is Lana Mustafa and I'm the farm director at Montclair Community Farms. I've uh, been there since 2018. Uh, one thing I love about Montclair is definitely the Montclairian community vibe. I think that people are generally very well connected and really emphasize their love of community and neighbors and just have an overall um, great, healthy, beautiful community, supportive. Well, I was gonna say almost the exact same thing. Um, so my name is Maya Mitchell. I'm the education director at Montclair Community Farms. Um, I just joined the team this past year in 2021, and that was the same thing I wanted to say. What I'm really loving about Montclair is that even in this short amount of time that I've been part of the community, I've been really blown away by the community. It feels like a community of people who not only is really invested in the idea of community, but also is like-minded in values and in supporting the kind of values that we as an organization are passionate about and as individuals are passionate about. And it's so nice to see so many people united in supporting nonprofits and supporting uh, agriculture and supporting small businesses and environmental awareness in uh, education for children, the strength of the people and of the community. So I'm really enjoying becoming part of the community. Those are really thoughtful answers and they're really unique too. Mm -hmm. I think more than ever, I personally have really noticed the neighbor aspect and the unity aspect of Montclair. I mean, I really started for the first time to truly work and work in the community and I've gotten to know so many people. And through that, you know, you really get to see people's true colors and how they act and it's been nothing but positive in my opinion that's just how it's been for me so i can totally agree with that and understand why people think that in this town and again i just think it's really unique to montclair um i guess for the both of you montclair community farm has been around for a lot longer than both 2021 and 2018 so why did you guys join the montclair community farm team um i joined because i had a love and passion for growing food and teaching people how to do that um, before working for Montclair Community Farms, I was actually a stay-at-home mom who was always invested in her backyard, created a homestead, and then had children, of course, and just like nurtured and raised my kids and valued the importance of giving them an environmental education. Um, 
later in life, when my kids were all in school, I decided to go back to school and actually invest all of my time and energy in learning more about the environment and what we could do to help the world. Um, and one day I stumbled up very, very randomly actually stumbled upon a post um, that Montclair Community Farms was looking for a farm manager um, on Facebook. And when I read the job description, I was like, this is something that I can get behind. This is something that I'm very passionate about. And this will allow me to expand my impact and reach more people, teach kids of all ages. Um, so that was, I think, their, their mission and their goals in the community were what drew me to MCF originally. And then things just like expanded from there. <laughs> Yeah, similarly, um, so my background is as a classroom teacher. I worked for um, the past seven years as a fourth and fifth grade teacher in public schools. Um, and then in the past few years, I started to think about possibility of a career shift, uh, not a full-on career change, but wanting to see in a broader sense what education, being an educator can mean, um, and to be a little bit more challenged and to learn and grow some new skills. And in my search for what that career shift might look like, I did a bunch of soul searching and some, some books and career helping books and really wanted to look at what are my passions outside of just the, the school. And for me, that really was the outdoors and nature, um, cooking and culinary and food, and then also social justice. And so, and those are the avenues that I was working on the most within my classroom as well, trying to push outdoor education and anti-bicentre-racist education. And so when I started looking at what kind of jobs tap into all three of those things, it became very clear that it was something that had to, had to be something that had to do with food justice and environmental education. And so similarly, I stumbled upon a job posting at MCF, which seemed like the perfect thing for exactly what I was looking for and reached out with that exact same story, I think that I'm telling you. And uh, luckily for me, I think I was just what MCF was looking for too. So it was, I like to think it was kind of faded that we needed each other. Mm -hmm. we, we actually coined the term Maya the unicorn for a while before we brought her on. <laughs> we were so happy. <laughs> You're like, she's oh. perfect. She's perfect. <laughs> yeah, somebody said that to me too. I said, you know, when we got your email, I thought, who is this person who who is a trained classroom teacher but wants to work on our in our farm as a nonprofit? So um, <laughs> it's exactly what I wanted and it worked out. Really. No, it seems like I know I don't want to bring like the whole um, spiel we were talking about beforehand back since we're moving on from question to question, but it seems like that whole neighbor aspect that we were talking about kind of came quickly and so suddenly to you, Lana. And I think it just goes to show how like when you're in the Montclair community, you re really assimilate in it fast and you easily see the good in people. And like just to find a post on social media about such a, I guess, niche career path. I mean, we usually don't hear about farming in Montclair. Um, it's so unique and again it's nothing but positivity and for you Maya for this entire team to call you a unicorn and all, all this <laughs> is so cool I don't know it makes me I'm smiling right now it's awesome 
It, it's definitely a, a unique place. I I'd never imagined being like an urban farmer in Montclair. Like I knew I wanted to be in farming, but I thought like, oh, I would have to do like this whole career shift and learn about big ag and like move to like, you know, West Jersey or something and have like one or two acres. And then here I am growing tons of food in like suburbia. And I think one thing that is, in my opinion, really special about MCF is most people on our team are in a similar position to what Lana and I described. Whereas, you know, in a lot of other organizations, it's someone on a set career path looking for X job and finding X job or someone who is, you know, looking for, for work because they need work for the, you know, the, the fiscal and monetary benefits that we all need to live. But with MCF, it really feels like everyone who was drawn in there is because of the mission and like-minded goals and that it's people who have like-minded passions, interests, and belief systems, and then happen to find this organization that connects with those. And because we are a small organization, we are able to really have people there who are passionate about the same things we're passionate about. Um, so I would say as, as coincidental as it seems our two stories are, I think they're the similar stories to most people on our team is that they were looking for something they didn't quite know what based on what they love and care about and then happened to find an organization aligned with those things. I really liked how the things you emphasized just in that statement alone were just being like-minded, being an organization, being people that didn't know what they want to do, but they knew it was all agriculture. Whereas you only briefly mentioned, you know, benefits and fiscal stuff. And I don't know, it just, to really emphasize that just goes to show how great of a place, not only Montclair Community Farms is to work at if you're into agriculture, but also just to be around if you're into gardening, if you want to get into farm, big farming in any way, this is a great place to start if you live in Montclair, if you want to, you know, show your kids chickens for the first time. It's a great place with really good people who love what they're doing. And it's one that you don't really see often. So you really have to cherish those moments when you see them. Lana, you talked about briefly how, you know, you wanted to start a farm, you were really into agriculture, but we are the garden state, we're New Jersey, but it's really easy to forget that when you live in Montclair or Essex County, you're just, you know, when do we ever see a farm? Unless you go out to like starting in Morris County or Union County, you don't see that much. Mm -hmm. um, it's, you gotta move to West New, like the Western part of New Jersey, buy a couple of acres, as you said before, learn about big agriculture. And I don't know, like, it just doesn't come up all the time in my head, especially if you're closer to the city. So when I first heard about the Montclair community farm, it's like, what is that? What What is an urban farm? I mean, can I ask you guys what really is an urban farm? What's a community garden? And I guess, what are the benefits to having an urban farm in Montclair, especially when there are plenty of other, you know, community gardens and community farms throughout the state? And especially if we have farmers markets that have stations that come from those big farms in Western New Jersey all the way to distribute their product here? Um, that's a really great question. Um, I guess for us, um, we live in a pretty tight-knit community, you know, houses, we don't really have acres of land to grow on, right? We may have like really nice backyards with 
lots of lawns, but if we wanted to take our kids to visit a farm, like you said, we would have to travel ways away, right? Um, so an urban garden, a community garden would be any, any plot of land that is not really utilized or used um, and then is converted into a space that's growing food, planting flowers for pollinators, um, a place for people to congregate, to meet, to socialize, um, a place that's created for people's overall emotional and mental well-being, um, lots of things. I think that not to like flex or brag, but I think MCF is like a community garden on steroids mm -hmm. uh, because I know of a lot of community garden spaces. And I think that what we have is something very special and unique in that we offer services for um, people of all ages. You know, um, we will never turn someone away who wants to come in with a question. We offer so many different services um, on the farm itself. Like we have our chickens for kids to come and visit and see. We, we sell eggs on our farm. We have an apiary where we have, you know, bees and honey. We have a community composting site where people who live in um, residential housing or who, you know, don't have the time to maintain their compost bins can kind of come donate their scraps there. Um, so, you know, we offer these different services, but ultimately we offer a space for people to come and learn and grow in. And I think that's something that's super, super special. Um, community gardens, I don't know. I feel like they should be everywhere. Um, I think that it is important, well, yes, and, and so much of what you're saying, Anna, like I find myself in, you know, being a more recent hire at MCF and explaining to my friends and family where my new job is. Um, people actually get really confused when I say I'm working at Montclair Community Farms because I wouldn't identify it as a community garden because it really is so much more than that. So just to be really clear for listeners, I think that does sometimes lead to misconceptions because a typical community garden is a plot where community members can go and garden themselves if they themselves don't have a space on their own property to garden. So typically a community garden is a shared space maintained only by community members who each may have a bed or two to plant whatever they want in. And so it is really different because our, that's not what our space is for. The community in Montclair Community Farms is what Lana was saying, is that we are a nonprofit whose main goal is supporting the community, whether that be supporting community members who have low food access and giving them organic produce at subsidized prices, whether that be supporting community members and having a space to gather, whether that be supporting community members and having educational programs if they want to learn more about agriculture, sustainability, environmental education, or just have a space for their families to get their hands in the dirt and have experiences they wouldn't otherwise have in a close-knit area. It's that the word community in MCF is about us being a community resource, um, but, but it is in, in my mind a totally separate entity from a typical community garden, the way most people imagine when they hear that word and that, that type, that category of space. Um, Lana, I read in your biography on the website that you started gardening when you were around seven years old. Um, I really got into, I guess, planting and gardening and all that stuff when, like, during COVID, 
we were looking to um we were looking to renovate our backyard we didn't touch it for a while it got pretty out of hand my brother is a soccer player so all that trauma on like the grass really really destroyed our backyard for a little bit yeah no and we had a tree there so the roots came up so the entire family did tons of research on how we're gonna organize our garden so i got to learn about the flora and the fauna and the plants so that was you know my um silver lining of covid and then Maya, you're the education director here at Montclair Community Farm, so you work a lot with you work a lot with kids and you organize the programs for them. And in a world that is constantly and more drawn to their phones, their iPads and technology, especially from for kids at the start of birth, how do we get children, but even more so teens my age, especially to fall in love with gardening, the farm or just the outdoors in general again, especially during a time where We've spent the last year and a half mostly on our phones, whether we want to agree with it or not. It's so true. Um, Lana, do you want to start off on this in our follow or vice versa? Uh, you can go. That's fine. Okay. So I would say, and answer your question, Anna, is that the children have an innate and natural inclination towards nature. The What's getting in their way is us and society. We are less likely to be able to give them the opportunities to be outside in nature and more likely to give them the easy fix of a device and that is to no individual's fault it's a shift in our society as a whole um, for people interested in the topic i would just plug um, some really interesting uh, resources and reading so there's a book that i absolutely adore called uh, nature deficit disorder um, by an author called Richard Louvre. He's written a ton of books connected to an organization called the Children and Nature Network. And it's a research-based book about how our society has shifted around children and nature and how the, the linking potentially the prevalence of ADHD and other disorders to the lack of time children are able to spend in nature, linking some of the lack of sensory regulation, emotional regulation, executive functioning to that as well. Um, and so I think the answer here comes really from back to what we first talked about with Montclair being a community of like-minded individuals, because uh, first of all, there's a lot of people in the area who are already interested and passionate about having their children spend more time outdoors. You know, uh, um, I have a lot of, my family is in Brooklyn, and so I first knew of Montclair as where so many Brooklynites ended up transferring to. And the reason they come is because they wanted a backyard, right? So that in and of itself starts us off. But then also the close-knit community helps a lot as well because a lot of the speculation about why our society has moved away from nature isn't just the prevalence of devices. It's the lack of neighborhood and community feels and increased, uh, increased awareness and concern about safety. So whereas families used to have their children just run around in the neighborhood after school until dinner time and feel safe in their communities, that feeling has really shifted in the past 20 years so that people don't feel comfortable in that same way. And so that's a big part of why children aren't freely roaming in nature. Their time outdoors is much more in structured activities like sports, um, which is a very different experience for a child in terms of learning about their own agency, that self-regulation, emotional regulation, um, because even in school, there's a teacher and adult there to help you work things through and figure them out. And so in 
a long answer to your question, I really feel like the desire in children is already there. The research is already there to support why it's important. And so what children need is a community that's supporting these values and opportunities and avenues to get those experiences. And then they'll just keep coming back for more and more and more. So one thing that's beautiful about MCF is we do get a lot of repeat interest is that once children come to any of the farm programs, they often want to come back and look for more and more. And one way a place we want to grow is getting more and more people who are already involved with the farm to be coming by and trying a program. Because we do see once a child gets a chance to pet a chicken or hold a chicken, they then want to be in the chicken club and caring for the chickens on their own time each week. Once a child grows their own fruit or vegetable from seed, then they want to bring and start a garden at home. So these early experiences can really be transformative and it really children just need the opportunities and the support by the adults in their community. Definitely agree with Maya. And I think it's very similar uh, working with high school age kids. Um, this was actually my first summer uh, working with teens, I would say from 15 to about 19 years old, definitely a little bit more challenging than engaging the little ones because they're so naturally curious, right? So for me, as you mentioned, Anna, um, I got into gardening very, very young. So I started gardening at seven, the age of seven. And I think I had a natural curiosity that kind of was maintained through adulthood. So I'm a very curious person. So uh, working with like high school age kids, they're a little, you know, they're a little harder to engage, right? Thing, you know, seeing a black swallowtail butterfly lay an egg is not the most impressive thing to someone who's like 17. <laughs> but I think that if given the opportunity, opportunity in space to understand their connection and relationship to nature, um, people kind of soften and, kind of let down their guard and actually allow their curiosity to come out to the forefront. What I've noticed um, through my experience this summer was that a lot of the kids lack opportunity. Um, as Maya mentioned, we're just shifting to like this lifestyle where you're only outside in structured play. Um, a lot of parents um, view, you know, the outdoors as something that's dirty. So that kind of lingers in your teen years and in adulthood. But if given the opportunity, the exposure, whether it's a field trip, volunteer hours, um, whatever it may be, an opportunity in one of our internships, um, I found that high school age youth also soften and begin engaging their curiosity. Um, what I also found helpful was empowering youth to see their relationship to their food system and how that impacts the world on a larger scale. Uh, you know, like climate change is something that's important to everyone on this planet. It's not affecting one demographic or another or one age group or another, right? So um, talking about that and helping them make that connection and just, you know, fueling that fire, I found helped engaged younger pe young people on the farm this summer. I totally agree with you both. I mean, if anyone wants a testimony from a 16 year old girl, um, I don't want to bring up COVID again, but I we all had free time during COVID and I've been playing tennis. I've mentioned this all the time on the podcast, but I've been playing tennis since I was about six. Like I picked it up very young and it's a structured sport. I also spent most of my childhood 
a lot of it outside. Amelia, my sister and I would always spend most of her time there. I was obsessed with birds. Okay, like I could name every single bird in North America because that was just what we did. That was our thing. And then I think as I got into structured sports and we started using technology every day, I slowly start now in hindsight, I start seeing myself, you know, spend more time indoors. And then our field trips are instead of going to you know, Van Vliet Gardens and like community areas to the city, to the science centers. And those aren't bad things, but we start to appreciate those kinds of things. And when we associate the outdoors, we talk about the outdoors, as you said before, kind of gets connotated to be a dirty thing. And you subconsciously lose that appreciation. And I didn't realize I had, you know, this passion for the environment and gardening until this time last year when a few of our friends they have a farm and a store on the border of new jersey and upstate new york invited us over and we saw their farm it's absolutely beautiful and they have two daughters and to see how they act around these animals and to have these five and six year old girls teach me all this stuff and it really shows the curiosity aspect of it they are really intelligent. They tell me how these animals, once they smell you once, they remember you forever. It just brought back something I totally repressed and forgot about. And now it's like from spending time at that farm, I want to do more with my community. And whenever I see chickens or I hear, you know, the sound of frogs at night in the summer upstate, I'm also really into politics. A big thing that we all talk about is climate change and the political aspect of that. Mm -hmm. So if, you know, kids can get involved with that, even if they don't think they're into the farm or environmental stuff like that, just spending time outside, long story short, can teach you so much and you can apply it to pretty much everything every day. <laughs> yeah, it's funny yeah. because most of my lessons, I, I connect to nature, whatever shifts in my life. Mm -hmm. are happening I will always bring it back to a lesson from nature so <laughs> it's beautiful to have that connection and it'll be with you forever Anna so that's yeah we're proudly yeah and the connection you made from that childhood love to then your know, current studies that have to do with you know climate action and the political sphere you know I mean there's a lot of movement right now to have you know this uh, last year, New Jersey was the first state in the country to adopt climate change standards for K-12 schooling, and there's a big push for having it in schools, but uh, a big argument, not against it, actually, to support it is to say, of course, we need to ask, we need to teach children about climate change and how to be advocates, but you need to love something in order to fight for it, right? And so if we're not giving children opportunities as young children to just have their hands in the dirt, then it's not with a full heart that they're going to be able to become the, you know, the environmental justice supporters and advocates that we hope to have in the future mm -hmm. and today. I know it seems like personally until you take your own time to do research in this town that it's hard to find that, especially in such an urban state like New Jersey, but you can find those places where you can fall in love with nature and get that I guess, passion and drive back. And then once you do, it doesn't have to be like a whole definitive love for it. But once you do, you'll, you know, develop a deep appreciation for it. And you don't have to be an environmentalist or, you know, someone that works strongly in climate action, but 
you can do enough to convince people that we can put this in our schools and we can all have a general appreciation for our environment. Yeah, one thing that I found constant about um, MCF is that the entire nonprofit always has objectives and goals and they change over the years or every year, but um, one year it could be maybe to give out at least 3000 pounds of produce to people who maybe can't afford produce the way that we can every day and we're lucky to do that or it could be to travel around to Montclair with the mobile farm stand maybe at least 100 times this year. I'm sure you guys had goals for the 2020 year, but we no one expected COVID to happen. Um, everything shut down for months. How did that affect the goals that you set for the farm and what were those goals? Yeah, we talked about before how so many kids, you know, lost a big part of their developmental years in their childhood because of the pandemic. And for this to be their opportunity to finally socialize and meet kids their age, you know, it's a it's a very mature opportunity for those kids. I mean, I know I would be nervous if I've been with my parents the entire my entire life and then I'm thrown into a group of, you know, people I don't know and, you know, in a totally different environment, but I think it's safe to say that it's a very welcoming environment and it makes the adjustment, especially for those kids easier. It's it's really interesting to see how not only businesses and organizations have adapted, but also kids. We can't really talk to them. They're too young, but you can observe. Yeah, they're incredibly resilient. And as long as we just give them as many opportunities as we can to make up the time, they, they, they're, they're stronger than we are. They're very resilient. They, we, we can take care of them and help them get back to where they would have been or someone better, someone better. After the 2020 lockdown restrictions were lifted and um, everything wasn't going fully back to normal, but we started you know, adjusting maybe with the vaccine, still wearing the mask, but also getting closer to each other. What was one lesson that you all learned from that really strange time period? It doesn't have to be maybe with the farm, it could be in general. Mm, that's a really good question. I think for me, what I learned and the biggest takeaway was that in times of, and I think Maya and I had this conversation once, um, in times of emergency, the people closest to you are the ones that are going to be there to support you. So investing in your community should be everyone's number one priority, you know, um, your neighbor is going to be there for you in case of an emergency, you know what I mean? So being friendly, being polite, um, doing act, kind acts of service, um, all of that comes back. And that was my biggest probably lesson in COVID. I saw community members delivering food. I saw Facebook posts of people losing their job and starting GoFundMes and um, just seeing that overall investment in people and the people closest to you was very profound. Yeah, I completely agree. I think the importance of, of social connection in whatever ways you're able to do it. I think there you know, are some things, positive things that came out in people's learning to be more flexible and, and how and when and we can connect and also the important, you know, everybody taking a closer look at their priorities and how they spend their time. Um, but I think, the importance of community. I laugh because, Lana, you're right, we did talk about that um, because 
I mean, and I don't think I mentioned this, but I'm like a, a pretty big podcast nerd. And so one of my favorite uh, climate change podcasts had an episode about climate disasters and they had a disasterologist on to interview, which I can't believe a disasterologist is the thing. And the disasterologist, they talked about packing a go bag in case of disaster, but they said the most important thing you can do to prepare for a disaster is go bring your neighbor a basket of muffins because in, the, in, in times of emergency, the thing that time and time again, these researchers see is what makes or breaks people's survival and success is how close-knit their community is or whether they're isolated in their community. So um, totally 100% agree, Lana. And it's part of what in post, not, I can't say post-pandemic, but as the pandemic progressed, brought me to MCF as wanting to be even more connected to a community for sure. Yeah, I did not know a disasterologist existed. I may want to switch career paths. That seems very fun, very insightful to learn all that. But I didn't realize also that that's a really interesting fact, the bring a basket of muffins thing. It's like spot on, like, right. You wouldn't think of it, but, you know, it's, it's yeah. <laughs> and uh, just, just some question ideas in the event you get a, a disasterologist on this podcast. I would love to know um, how their sleep is. <laughs> yeah. No, just your program to figure out what disasters can happen in your geographic region, how, why, and who you're going to call. Maybe they have like good muffin recipes too. <laughs> They're going to need a lot of comfort food. That's all. Yeah. Basket for your neighbor or basket for yourself. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> They probably have like a baking business on the side just to test out <laughs> what works best, what conveys or what brings people back for more. But um, um, so I know that at Montclair Community Farm, there's also the, is it the Farmpreneur Program? Am I pronouncing it correctly? Okay. Um, you have the Montclair Community Farm Farmpreneur Program. And I think that is super unique to not only community farm, but just to Montclair in general. It's like the Montclair Community Farm has a very awesome and unique farmpreneur program, which stood out to me because, you know, when you major in environmental science, agricultural studies, and you want to pursue a career in farming in general, you usually, you know, have to get those internship opportunities to properly farm correctly but at the same time you're spending a lot of time you know commuting out to western new jersey you're taking classes um at rutgers which has a great agricultural school but that commute from new brunswick to western new jersey is pretty far if you have to go back and forth during that internship so to have um a farmpreneur program and learn about the business aspect as well the agricultural aspect is very cool so apply to this program Oh, awesome question. So the inspiration behind uh, the Farmpreneur Program actually came from a conversation that Beth had with Ruthie from Ruthie's Barbecue. Um, I don't know if you're aware, but Ruthie actually has a farm out in Marksboro where they're actually growing wheat. And what's going on in New Jersey is that there's a kind of like a green movement happening where many of the conventional farmers are attempting to switch over to organic and also vegetable farmers in New Jersey are looking for regenerative, regenerative ways to grow food. I always um, trip up on that word. 
So um, what farmers have found was if you introduce grains into your crop rotation, um, you know, when you're not growing vegetables, you can grow grains basically. And that's super beneficial to the soil because grains actually absorb nitrogen from the atmosphere and redeposit that into the soil. And it just helps with the whole nitrogen cycle. Um, that said, um, we kind of want to move from conventional grain growing to more organic because of the diversity. Um, Maya can also talk about grains because she's an avid baker. Um, so that conversation kind of got going and it kind of had Beth and Marissa's wheel spinning. They started thinking about how they can write this grant and what it would look like. And we've been talking about starting an entrepreneurship program for youth for a really long time through value added products on the farm. And when that conversation happened, light bulbs just went off. Um, so they wrote, they spent hours, I think it was probably like a hundred hours um, between the two writing this amazing grant. We applied uh, for a grant through the USDA and we were successful. They granted it to us and now we'll be working on the project for almost three, hopefully. We had our first season, so we have two more years left. Um, what makes this project very unique is that it's focused on empowering youth in their food system um, and helping to stimulate the demand for organic grain in New Jersey through value-added products. Um, the kids that are participating get to learn about agriculture, so they get their hands in the soil. They're learning all about growing vegetables, how to turn them into actual products. They're learning about the history of farming. Uh, they're learning new culinary skills. Many of them come from a culinary background, so there's a, a natural curiosity there. Um, and then they're all, of course, selling these value-added products on our farm stand. So they're with us throughout the season, uh, learning how to grow veggies, learning about other farm projects in New Jersey that they may have not been aware of. Um, so it's a pretty cool experience overall. Um, I don't want to add anything. Maya, do you want to add anything on there? No, just that it is, I do think it is an incredibly unique opportunity to combine those two goals into one cohesive program of empowering youth to not only learn more about their food systems, but to learn about careers in agriculture and in their entrepreneurial skills and small businesses, but then at the same time to work hand in hand to stimulate the demand for organic grains and grain farming in New Jersey is, you know, really something special we're able to do. And it's possible because of our community partners, which I think is something that we possibly haven't touched on upon enough in this conversation is that Montclair Community Farms is not only dependent on the Montclair community, but that we also are a coalition model nonprofit. And we are really thankful to all of our community partners and this the Farmpreneur Program through the USDA grant has not only added the USDA as a partner, but the close partnership with Ruthie's, with uh, River Valley Community Grains, um, with the Rutgers 4-H is already part of our coalition, but an even closer bond there. So really another community engagement project, as well as a way for us to give back to the community. You said Ruthie's was one of your partners. Um the Rutgers 4-H program. I'm trying to think of any other closer ones. Is Van Bleck a partner too, since you have the- um, Definitely. Yeah, since you garden in their greenhouse or their- yeah. okay. mm -hmm. so They have a beautiful greenhouse on their property that wasn't being utilized and they invited us to start our seedlings there. So we're going on what would be our third season. 
Mm -hmm. And are there any other Montclair maybe businesses that I missed too? Um, we've done some work with um, Montclair Bread. We had a farmpreneur pilot program um, early spring. That was a lot of fun. We also are partners with the Montclair History Center. So we're actually on the History Center property. Um, MSU, Montclair State University is also on our coalition. Uh, Home Corps, if you know them, they're housing organization in Montclair, also on our coalition. So we Montclair Health Department. Oh, health Department, there's another huge one. Definitely many, many partners. We wouldn't be who we are without them, of course. Essex, Essex, Essex Tech is also one of our uh, coalition partners now as well. So there's partners on the Farmpreneurs Project through USDA. One of the other ones that I mentioned is River Valley Community Grains. Um, so there's our partners to the USDA program. There's our coalition partners. There's partners that we involve in all of our programs. So we really try to be uh, hyper-local as much as possible. Amazing. I think it's really interesting how we've talked so much about unity and community on this episode, but also not only seeing it through just random members of the Mocker community, but also through the businesses. I think that could be a direct response to not only COVID, but also um, a demand for, you know, a farm in Montclair, as there's a movement, you know, going on now about sourcing your food, sourcing your meat, especially. It's like a lot of my friends were vegetarian now because, you know, we've taken the time to do our research. We want to have, you know, ethically sourced food, especially for eating meat, for example. Um, everyone's just getting conscious of that, either on the personal level or on the, um, more corporate level so i think that's interesting but if you if you don't agree you can definitely say it otherwise i totally agree. no we agree totally. all right okay perfect um so yeah as we were just talking about um the montclair community farm has contributed so much to the montclair community and community in a really short amount of time considering the fact that you've done a significant amount of work to our town you work with so many businesses in town that we listed previously you guys use the mobile farm stand to bring ethically sourced and montclair grown produce and agriculture to senior housing and in the lower income areas of our town that we often forget about when we have this conversation the youth program that that maya directs like it's so much especially you know in such a short amount of time what can we do even more to give back to the Montclair Community Farm as you're doing so much for the town already? What a great question. Well, so we are already so thankful for the support we receive from the Montclair community. So to continue doing what you're doing is the greatest uh, gift that everyone can give. Um, we are of course always looking for anyone who wants to get involved on the farm. Um, for volunteering, for visiting, for collaborating, for partnership. Um, we are a very small nonprofit that is focused on organizational growth right now. So anyone who is a Montclair resident who might be listening and there has expertise or connections in an avenue that can help us in our growth and would be interested in in donating some time to us or partnering in an avenue that might help us grow, we're very interested in. Anyone who has not, doesn't even know what MCF is to come by and visit or consider one of our programs or look at our website or our social media page. 
And I would be remiss to not mention that we are currently in our year-end fundraising campaign and we are in a matching campaign until all donations given by December 31st, 2021 are generously matched dollar for dollar by the Partners for Health Foundation, also a local organization that will match every donation dollar for dollar. No amount is too small. So I can't not include that point because it is our year-end fundraising campaign as we speak. Did I miss anything, Lana? I think you hit the nail on the head, Maya. You knew that I was going to say that. She started laughing. Like, as was, we, we spent all day today talking, planning for our fundraising campaign. So I had to say that. That is awesome. Oh my gosh. I wish I knew about that before. And I would have marketed it even more for you guys. Wow. Aww. We have until the end of the month. You're doing already great work for us, Anna. Thank you. Just like you mentioned in the question right? It's mutually beneficial. So we're so happy to be on this call, but we really appreciate you considering us and including us in the call, your thoughtful questions, all of your wonderful responses. So thank you for everything you're already doing. Just like a huge thank you to the whole Montclair community for everything you're already doing for us. No, of course. I just, again, I find the organization to be very unique. It, to anyone, it stands out. I think that you can have a community, you can have a tight-knit community, especially in New Jersey, again, as a, the most populated state in the union, you can have great neighbors, but it really doesn't get any better as far as connections and opportunities go than, you know, the five square miles we have here. And again, like I made this podcast for two reasons. One being, you know, how are businesses responding to um, COVID-19? How are people responding to COVID-19 or the effects of it? to correct myself, um, or how are students doing it? Just to, you know, catch up with everyone. We haven't talked to everyone and really gone into depth with this stuff in a while, but also, you know, to document the lives of other people and like learn that everyone has a story. We know that people have really interesting lives here, but why do they do it? And, you know, it's always just been nothing but positivity and people just being happy because they followed, you know, their heart and what they want to do. I know it's, that sounds so cliche, but I think there are some really happy people here and really successful people here. And it's because they've, you know, pushed themselves to do great things in what they want to do. And you two are prime examples of that. Thank you. That's super sweet. Totally, totally agree. It may sound cliche, but your heart is a good North star to follow. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys have anything else to add? I'm pretty much wrapped up. Um, I'd like to say thank you for inviting us onto this podcast. As Maya said, I think that we are doing a lot of great things on the ground, but you know, the more that we can share with a broader audience, audience, the better for us. Um, I do want to say follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Montclair Community Farms. <laughs> We're always posting fun, cool things and opportunities for even more engagement there. So you can also follow our sign up for our email list at our bottom of our homepage, so montclaircommunityfarms.org. And also for everyone listening, but especially for you, Anna, come visit us at the farm. We'd be happy to have you anytime, happy to have you anytime to come visit in any avenue you're interested in. So uh, keep in touch, please. And thank you mm -hmm. for having us. Of course. I, 
I have a feeling that Anna would love a photo with a chicken. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's we like- We can get you that for your social for when you announce this podcast. Oh um, my gosh, that would be great. <laughs> No, words cannot describe how much I love chickens. They are my favorite. I also want to say you, my mom brought home some of your eggs from the farm and I was blown away by like the colors of the eggs and just how they work. They were they're delicious first off, but it's just, I always, I, I forget that eggs aren't, they're not white like normally, but it just, I'm like, I was smiling the way I am now, but like for the entire day, because I was like, this is so cool. But anyway. Well, that seals the deal. You have to come by and get you a pick a, a close personal visit with the chickens, a picture with the chickens, and you awesome. can pull your own eggs out of the nesting boxes. Oh my gosh. No, this is like, it's not even Christmas. I'm so stoked. <laughs> <laughs> no. Happen now. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I want to say thank you so, so much to Alana Mustafa, farm director, and Maya Mitchell, education director of the Montclair Community Farms, for taking time out of their week to come onto Humans of Montclair and talk about what Montclair Community Farms has to offer to our town, what being a community farm is all about, and the positive effect that it's had on our community, and their incredible, incredible end-of-year fundraiser. You can donate on their website, which is montclaircommunityfarms.org. And all donations made by December 31st, 2021 will be matched dollar for dollar by the Partners for Health Foundation. And to our listeners, thank you so, so much for taking time out of your week to listen to Humans of Montclair. If you want to listen to previous episodes, you can find those wherever you're currently listening to your podcast or on our website, which is humansofmtc.com. Another huge way that you can support the podcast is by following us on Instagram. The Humans of Montclair Instagram is plain and simple. The handle is at humansofmtc. You'll find every single thing Humans of Montclair related over there. Again, thank you so much. Have a great week and happy holidays.